Welcome to Lead Travel Pray. This is episode 11, and today we're going to focus on the topic of culture. Uh, this is Rebecca Ellis. I'm going to be the moderator for today's episode, and I have with me my two lovely co-hosts, Sandy Schneider. Hi, Rebecca and Michelle. Hello, and Hello. Michelle Strike. Hi, everyone. Excellent. So this is our first attempt at Zoom. So we're going to mix in a little video with our audio today. And I look forward to sharing that all with you very soon. So we talk about leadership, uh, both travel and um, faith kind of weave into those topics as well in our Lead Travel Pray series. And today this is a focus really on leadership, but you'll hear uh, themes from both travel and uh, faith play into it as well. So culture, what do we mean by culture? It's a pretty broad term. I mean, it has a different meaning for people. I know in my careers, I've talked with people in organizations. Um, when we say culture or doing a project around culture, uh, lots of people conjure up different ideas of what that could be. And um, every organization can have a culture, a corporation, a nonprofit, a church, a school. So um, I'm going to start with my definition, and then I would love to hear from the two of you um, how you define culture when people are asking about this otherwise maybe squishy topic. Um, so the way I talk about it is really like a personality. You know, as individuals, we all have our own personality, um, even though we may be the same ethnicity or same religion, uh, we, we're different, and organizations are different in that same way. It's really what makes people or an organization unique beyond. Um, you know, the things that might be very um, visible on the outside. And so I think of culture as like the collective way of being um, that makes a place unique. And it's kind of how you do things that layer on to what you do. So Sandy, I'm curious to know uh, your thoughts on culture and, and how you would define it. Well, it's funny, Rebecca, I was going to define it um, very similarly in terms of the personality of the organization, whether that be a company or, as you mentioned, um, a, a volunteer group, a, a sports team, whatever that group of people are that are working towards a common goal. Um, I think it, it's sometimes harder to put your finger on culture, but it's no less important to the success of the group. It's the look and the feel of the group or the organization. It's what either excites and motivates team members or drives them out of the group pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I would, <clears throat> I would agree with what both of you said. I think um, the way that I thought about it was kind of also behavioral. So the way that people act and what is acceptable, what is not acceptable um, kind of comes down to a culture. If you think about within an organization or within um, eth ethnic cultures, there's things that are and are not acceptable in people within that culture. Once you're there for a little while, you tend to know what those um, kind of norms are. And um, one of the things that came to mind as I thought about what culture is and is not, it's not the same as a business model, though, within an organization. And in my experience of consulting with a lot of different organizations, people mix it up. Mm -hmm. And so when you try to um, work on something within the culture, they get really upset and say, no, you can't do that. That's part of the business model. It's like, no, it's just the way that you go about doing business right now, but it's not actually your business model. It's culture, and it's something that can be changed. It's more 
people oriented than operational oriented. So I thought that I'd throw that out there that they are two distinct things, business model and culture. Yeah. I like that distinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really good point. Cause I do think people think culture is, um, what they're doing and not necessarily how. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's a great point. Why does it matter, Michelle? What, what makes it worthy a podcast episode? You know, I think that culture is the heartbeat of any organization. And um, when it's thriving, honestly, I see everybody thriving. And when it's toxic or struggling, everyone in the organization feels it. In my opinion, it really makes or breaks whether or not employees want to stay within the organization. Um, Are you in a thriving organization or are you in a really struggling organization? Um, Almost always it comes down to culture. Maybe not with the organization at large, but you can have subcultures within a department or within a team that can make a big difference. And so for me, it's a lot of times why people decide to stay or go. Yeah, that's part of what I was thinking too, engagement, retention, recruitment, and probably even ultimately customer service, like what your culture uh, allows or enables is probably how effective um, your your customer service kind of strategy will be. So um, to me, that's one of the outputs of it. Sandy, what are your thoughts on the importance? Why does it matter? You know, before we're even worried about if they're staying or they're going, how do we get them in the door? Mm -hmm. So right now, I think in the United States, many places are below 4% unemployment. Every organization is recruiting, constantly recruiting for new team members. And so how how better to differentiate your organization from the competitors than to really highlight what is great about the culture of your organization. And I've seen lately, I think, a a trend towards organizations focusing more on culture in their recruitment process, which I I think, of course, is important. Um, And I love to see, I don't know if you guys have done much searching on career sites lately, but um, it's more than here's our mission of the organization or here's our vision for the organization and maybe even more than just a list of the values, but really honing in on programs or areas of focus for the company that um, feed into what their culture is. So for example, um, it could be an organization that highlights on their careers site um, something about their sustainability program, whether that's you know, their goal to reduce water usage or their recycling program, um, that really speaks to more than what their business model is, more than what their products are, more than what their service is, but what really is is core of importance to how we do our work. How do we go about our business? So I'm, I'm really liking to see on these career websites more insight into the culture of the organization than maybe we've seen in the past. Yeah, just building on that real quick, I uh, recently attended a um, leadership development conference, and one of the things that they were talking about as far as the recruitment efforts is in online job simulations that companies Mm -hmm. have customized, really trying to build in the culture into that so that they can also use it as a recruitment tool and help people understand if they're a fit Mm -hmm. before they um, even have a job offer, which I thought was really good. Yeah, I think it's more um, than just the realistic job previews that we are used to seeing in the past. Um, Companies are getting a lot better at the narrative, kind of telling that story. And the corporate social responsibility, the CSR components, I think 
uh, many research studies would say tie very heavily now to recruitment. Um, I remember a statistic at one point that um, Harvard um, MBA grads were more likely to go work at the Peace Corps than at Wall Street. Um, you know, so some of the just altruistic and other characteristics um, generationally, I think we're having to tell a better story about the heart and soul of an organization and not just how we make money. So mm -hmm. um, all really great points. So Sandy, what are some attributes of cultures that you've really enjoyed working in uh, when you're looking maybe for a new organization to join or a church or um, nonprofit? What are those things that you look for in terms of cultural elements? One of the things that um, has jumped out to me recently is the value that I place on personally on um, giving back and altruistic work, um, volunteer work with various organizations. And in my day-to-day uh, -day work job, what I do to make a living, um, you know, it's Monday through Friday and it's most of the, the daytime hours. And when you get involved with nonprofits and you end up on a board, you're on committees, there are meetings. And oftentimes these things happen during the business day. And so you've got this um, opportunity to, to you want to do both, but um, maybe your schedule's not allowing you to do both. And so personally, I have felt torn. Like I've committed myself to this nonprofit organization. I want to do this work. It's good work. It just happens to be a 10 a.m. Monday morning uh, meeting when otherwise I would be at, at my my mm -hmm full-time job. Um, and so upon reflection of this, I have been blessed to work with organizations. And part of that is the organization. And I think part of that is the leader that I've worked for who has said, this is important. We know it's important to you, Sandy, that we know that this is something that you value. We value you and your contributions. And so by all means, participate in these meetings that are required of you during the normal business workday. Um, and that has happened in more than one organization that I've worked for, where that culture at minimum permeated the department I worked in and at best permeated the organization. And so now as I think about where I want to spend my time working my full-time job in the future, this, this uh, flexibility, this focus on um, giving back to the community and the focus on um, meeting the individual team member where they're at and what's important to them has become uh, of high importance to me and something I'm looking at in other organizations. Awesome. How about you, Michelle? Um, I think a lot of what Sandy um, said sticks out to me. Um, I didn't necessarily think about it from the um, like volunteering and spending time, but one of the things that really stood out to me is that they cared more about me as a person yeah. um, than as an employee or a church member and, and really went out of their way to show ways that they cared. And that's the organization at large, as well as Sandy, to your point, the leader. I think that both um, impact how much you feel cared for and not just a number or somebody that can do something for them. I also think I'm, I'm very high on wanting autonomy. And um, so any organization that can allow me to do things as I see fit and give me that flexibility, whether it's determining my work hours or how to get something done 
I've um, been fortunate to work for organizations that really um, give me that flexibility and autonomy when it comes to decisions and uh, kind of across the board. And when you have that situation where you feel like your leader or your organization is recognizing the whole you, not just what you're contributing in that specific workspace, isn't that such a motivator? Isn't that something that, that builds loyalty to that organization where I feel like, okay, you are letting me spend my working time doing something that I want to focus on. So by all means, when you need something organization, I'm there for you. And if that means working weekends, working extra hours, working on things that are outside of my normal responsibilities, certainly I'm going to give that discretionary effort to the organization that has already valued me as a whole person. Yeah, absolutely. Loyalty was a key word that came to mind as I thought about um, when I've been in a good culture, I'm very loyal um, back to them for that. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, great points. I think the one you made around allowing people to bring kind of their whole self to work and really caring for that person um, genuinely and authentically, I think that for me has been um, one of the top culture elements that I look for in a new organization. And you can um, get a pretty good sense of that in the interview process. And so I know we'll talk a bit more about how you test for culture, but um, that that's a big one for me. The other for me is transparency, kind mm -hmm. of around the health of the business, around my potential. Um, when organizations are more kind of guarded with that, I think it makes it harder for me to contribute in the way that I know I can make the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. And so um, transparency is a big one. And then the third one for me is shared decision rights. Um, and so maybe it's a bit my like uh, type A um, first child thinking, <laughs> but I like to think I have input in decisions um, as much as possible. And um, I feel like when I'm brought into organizations as a thought leader, I can contribute best when I'm allowed to help shape strategy and it's one of my top um, strengths. And so um, when decisions are made for me or how I'll execute my work, that makes it a little bit uh, tougher for me to feel like I can um, be fully engaged and really um, make the impact that I know the organization needs uh, from me. So those are the top three for me. Can I add one more to my <laughs> list? Sure. Uh, Thanks. Uh, so uh, associate appreciation. So when I work with an organization that values their people, values their talent, and takes time and energy to really recognize their mm -hmm. associates, that's a huge plus for me. And I was thinking about, do you guys remember when we all worked for the same company and the ice, ice cream truck pulled mm -hmm. in? Yeah. And it parked outside right in front of the front door to the office building. Um, I, I don't remember when exactly that happened. I don't think I had been with the organization all that long um, or maybe was just heavily influenced by the prior organization I worked with that that would never happen. Um, I just kept thinking, what's, what, what uh, do we have to pay for this? What, what is this about? How do they know how many ice creams you're getting? And <laughs> no one cared. Right. And that was right. the aha for me. Mm -hmm. This was a, a simple, fairly simple thing that the organization did to show appreciation for the associates. And it wasn't about, um, monitoring it and giving out tickets and figuring out how much it cost. And could somebody go out and get more than one ice cream cone when you can't decide <laughs> between the ice cream sandwich or the drumstick? 
Um, but that, that organization that, that we all had a collective experience for, I think did a really nice job mm-hmm. demonstrating that their associates were of value to them. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Great example. I remember that ice cream truck days. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the jeans days. Those mm-hmm. were the ones we all looked Good forward <laughs> So what about um, getting into a company or an organization or volunteer opportunity where you find out it's not a good fit? Um, I suspect that's happened to you. It's definitely happened to me. Um, but what were some of the signs that started to help you understand the culture didn't match your expectation? Um, and I'll go first. Uh, I've definitely been there, done that in terms of mismatch um, organization fit. And um, honestly, when I reflect back on those, the, prob- the, the warning signs were probably there from the beginning, Um, even in the interview. And I think about one, the organization I believe I spent the shortest time at. um, In the interview, I could sense that there was, um, I don't know, hostility is too strong of a word, but there was definitely skepticism on why I was coming in. And I I don't know really what more was behind that in terms of uh, why the team um, had some interesting dynamics. Uh, once I got into it, I, I understood a bit more. But on my resume, I had had put at the top, and this is more than a decade ago, um, excellent multitasker. And the question in the room was, um, how do you know? How do you know you're excellent? What does excellent look like? And it was asked in that kind of tone, like, um, what are you, what, what do you right. have to say? And I, I should have known at the time, like, wow, this is a competitive environment. There's some misgivings here around the way people have been maybe promoted or brought in. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, it ended up continuing to be kind of that, like, well, how do you get that work and why not me and blah, blah, blah competition. So anyway, um, you know, this, one of these, um, organizations that was not, I was not a great fit at. Um, I learned probably within the first month, right. That it wasn't going to be a good fit. And there, like I said, were signs, um, from the beginning. So I'm curious to know, um, what types of things you've seen, what kind of signals you've felt maybe in the moment or later retrospectively were like, Ooh, that was a signal that this place was a little maybe too, uh, um, I don't know, dysfunctional for what I want to work in. Well, mine's kind of funny um, because I wouldn't have really thought about this, um, but work hard, play hard was um, this company's culture um, by far. And I'm all about work hard, play hard. I'm not a fuddy-duddy, but they really played (laughs) hard. (laughs) And it was really obvious from the beginning and um, it just wasn't a fit. It really wasn't the way that they um, kind of interacted with each other and what was acceptable behavior and things like that. It just really didn't work for me and made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I was um, lucky that it was a short-term um, experience. And um, so it did help me think about um, what I want to work there over the long term and then different things to um, ask about. Because if a company described their culture as work hard, play hard, I would have been like, yeah, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, maybe I'm kind <laughs> of all in. <laughs> Michelle, I love that example because you highlighted um, another way that we can get a feel for 
culture. And that's through um, those those short-term assignments, whether it be a formal internship or practicum opportunity, whether it's um, a, a uh, a project assignment, contract work, or maybe it's just volunteering for one event, a big event that happens with a nonprofit. In that that short amount of time with that mm -hmm. particular work focus, we really get a feel for what's happening all the time in this organization. Mm -hmm. It gives yeah. us an opportunity to maybe say no thank you before we get into that full time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, my, my understanding of lack of fit actually took some time and I don't know, that could be a testament to, um, me being oblivious to what is happening around me or maybe my desire to so badly to want it to work mm -hmm. that I was hesitant to, to really absorb some of the signs I was seeing, but mine happened, um, when I was doing contract work for a faith-based organization, and this organization was very clear about their faith-based values, it was woven throughout everything in that organization. And so anyone who did any work with that organization was very clear on where they stand on a number of issues. Um, and if you were working for that organization or you were intimately involved, you signed a code of conduct that said, here is how I will act, here is how I will behave in this organization. And everybody was required to do that. Um, and so it was very, very clear what the the expectations were of this organization. And um, I, there were probably bre small breaches of that that happened over time that I justified or overlooked or thought, well, maybe it's not that big of a deal until something in my mind was a big deal, until there was um, a significant violation of the code of conduct by someone um, where there was significant evidence to show it was purposeful, that it was um, intended, and unfortunately she got caught and she didn't expect that. And I was shocked by the behavior. It was certainly inappropriate and felt like, well, of course there will be consequences for this because it's, it's bad behavior that clearly violates the code of conduct and everything that this organization stands for. And so was so disheartened when, um, and I, w I was part of the decision-making team about how we would handle this situation. And I was so disheartened when I found that everyone else said, oh, well, let's, it's okay. It was first time error. It was a mistake. Um, and ultimately came down to the financials. So the money that was involved in this deal was money they didn't want to lose. And so they were willing to overlook or work around this particular code violation. And mm -hmm. not to say they didn't do anything. They, they did clearly articulate this is unacceptable behavior, but there were no real consequences to that. And so for me, it was it was surprising. It was disheartening. Um, and it was certainly clear evidence that this is not an organization that I want to continue to do business with. Um, and as I reflect upon it, it was such um, 
a conflict of values for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe That's you fine. do what you say, particularly I have high expectations when an organization presents themselves as faith-based and everything in their organization aligns to that faith. It was just really disappointing. And um, one of those, ah, the real world, mm-hmm. money trumped doing the right thing in that scenario. But um, very successful organization. They continue to be very successful, but it was clear to me that that's not the place where I wanted to continue to do business. Yeah, that's a good point. I know we've talked about psychological contracts, I think, previously on one of our episodes. Um, I think Michelle was the one who taught me the concept mm-hmm. um, a decade or, or so ago. But when I think about that for me is usually what's the um, ultimate challenge with a culture fit. Like I think this is the way it's going to work and it's going to be great. And then I have this evidence like you just had Sandy where Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, they don't stand for what I thought they did. And if they don't stand for that, what do they stand for? And now, and now I'm, I'm really going to struggle. And one for me was, you know, we love your kind of questioning, curious personality. But in that last meeting, that seemed disrespectful that you were questioning why we would do that. And I was like, well, I thought that was the point I, why I was here to question, well, why that? Why not this? I'm like, oh, no, it seems insubordinate when you question those things. I'm like, but you want my curiosity. You just don't ever want to be challenged. And mm-hmm. I thought that was the point. And so then what value do I add? And if I'm not able to be here and be my normal self wanting us to be better and think through our decisions, then and yes, to just be a yes person, then I don't need to be here. Um, yeah. So yeah. And while that's so disappointing in the moment and so upsetting in the moment and all these sort of negative emotions, um, as particularly in my situation, when I look back on it, I am so grateful that happened. I am Mm -hmm. so grateful that I had that experience to say, no, thank you. This isn't a good fit for me and move on and wish them the best in, in whatever they're doing in the future. But it's not something that, that I need to spend my time doing. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's an important distinction, Sandy. And I thought about that with my example too. There are a lot of people who are thriving in this organization that I just referenced who love it, right? <clears throat> so just because it's not a fit for me or not a fit for you doesn't mean that it's not a great fit for somebody else. Yeah. And that's the thing about culture is that, um, yeah, there are some toxic cultures where it's not good for anybody, but by and large, it is like personality. What's good for one may not be quite as um, good for someone else. It doesn't make it all good or all bad. So um, we're not, we're not negatively evaluating cultures where we weren't a fit. It's just important to figure out what is important to you and matching that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great point in that when I hear people want to improve their culture, Um, It does seem like sometimes we think there's a gold standard that everyone needs to improve to these exact same um, elements. And, you know, the one you hear occasionally is like Google. Well, we're not going to be like a Google um, and have our own dry cleaning on campus or, you know, we're not going to be like this startup company that has their own like kegerators out serving beer. (laughs) It's like, but who said we need to be like, does that really attract unanimously every person we're Mm -hmm. struggling to recruit? No. Right. So what is it that makes us unique? What are the elements that we need to improve? And there are a number of assessments and I think that um, can lend sometimes to thinking these are the elements that we've got to all be great at. 
Um, but you know, generally what those folks would tell you is it's about knowing what makes for you the most high performing organization. And then how do you close some of those gaps? And, um, I think those tools are helpful. Like Denison has one, um, human synergenics and their OCI, um, even old school, like Fire OB kind of stuff. Um, we'll put links to these if you want to research them, um, in the podcast notes, but the one thing I would say is they can be expensive. Uh, they take a lot of time to launch and plan because you want to do attributions like an engagement survey and get those scores back to, to leaders and not just group level or high level or, um, but for me, I think actually probably has, what's been most helpful in terms of cultural elements that are working and not working are focus groups, just getting your employees in the room and asking them questions and, and asking them to be authentic and candid and telling you, you know, what is rewarded around here? Um, how do you describe this place to friends and family? Um, what elements, you know, do you think we need to improve around decision making or not to lead um, too much there? But usually that's where I've seen the best data gathered in terms of what we should aspire to be and how we close the gaps. I'm curious about tools or techniques that either of you have seen that help know how to improve the culture in the right way for that organization. Building upon that, Rebecca, um, I think understanding conceptually what's really important to this organization is sort of step one. Mm -hmm. And then step two, it's how, to your point, how do we communicate that out? How do we ensure that people we bring into the organization are aligned with that? And I have seen um, some good results from organizations that have uh, built a common language, mm. common phrases, common um, words that they use to dis to quickly summarize and describe key concepts of importance for that organization. Um, so whether it's calling key priorities blue chips or um, um, talking about celebration as more than just an event, but how we recognize associates. So I think that common language is important. Yeah, um, I, I like the common language. As I um, think about this, I think interviews and focus groups are oftentimes where um, I've been able to get really candid information. And um, as IO psychologists, I also think about um, behavioral observation and job shadowing. Mm -hmm. Just spending a couple of days across an organization kind of standing back and um, overhearing conversations, seeing how people interact with one another, I think is a big deal. Um, as I interview people as part of um, selection assessments for organizations, I oftentimes ask, you know, this organization that you're applying for a job with, what has you interested in them? Oftentimes they will cite the feeling that they had the moment that they walk in the door, um, as they walk around and interact with employees, that they smile and genuinely say hi to the candidate, to each other. Um, so I think that that's also important to remember that it's not just what we say. It literally is what we do and how we interact with one another. And um, that, that those are palpable things that can be observed and um, quantified and qualified um, to, to look at that data. Excellent. So Michelle, what books, podcasts, resources, et cetera, do you recommend to organizations that are trying to shape their culture in a different manner? So I, um, 
think about this starting from the top. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes if there are cultural issues, I find that it stems from senior leadership mm -hmm. and um, things that they need to be doing differently, like um, communicating more transparently to your um, criteria earlier, Rebecca, of something that's important to you or um, taking decisions down to the level at which they need to be made rather than it being really hierarchical and you have to get a lot of levels of approval. Um, somebody at mid-level can't just decide, hey, I'm no longer going to get approval from my boss from that. <laughs> from that. <laughs> I'm just going to do it on my own and expect to keep their job. Um, so one of the um, tools and books that is um, actually quite old but effective is Five Dysfunctions of a Team to walk a, an executive team through those five dysfunctions and thinking about it with them as a team first and um, which of the dysfunctions really stands out can help you figure out where there is some dysfunction or toxicity within mm -hmm. the team and um, put together specific actions around that. And then oftentimes it's figuring out, okay, what do they need to do differently within their own um, organizations or departments to um, get rid of that dysfunction? Mm -hmm. In that Lynchioni book, there's an assessment at the back too, isn't there, that yes. pretty much anyone could pick up and, and give to their teams to start to uncover. So I like that. Um, yeah, and I think his um, um, more recent book, The Advantage, is um, helpful in having um, more tactics around mm -hmm. that that I think is really helpful to take it to the next level. Oh, awesome. I'm not familiar with that, so I'll have to look into that one. Thank you. Um, yeah, so the tool that I was thinking about um, is a little bit um, of a tangent. I think we haven't been talking a lot about culture, but with the work I do globally, um, it's really important to understand some of the cultural aspects, um, the culture of the culture, I should say. So, you know, when you go to work in a specific country or with people on projects that might be um, coming from all over the globe, it's helpful to know what might be some of their kind of ingrained way of thinking based on the region that they uh, grew up in. And so the Hofstede research I found really helpful for that. And it, we'll uh, add a link here, but there's a cult country comparison tool where you can see things like um, long-term orientation versus short-term orientation. So when making a decision, are we thinking kind of short-term and more tactical or like this is going to be the case for the next 20 years? Asian cultures, for example, think super long-term. Um, for example, they don't report quarterly earnings or anything of, in that manner. Um, they're kind of in it for the very long, long haul, where we in America think a little more short term, you know, three, four, six, maybe 12 months out. Um, so I think those cultural elements are helpful because they do shape decision rights and kind of the personality of, of an organization. Um, so we'll link that here so you all can see it in our notes. So last piece of advice for our listeners. Um, how do you test or evaluate if culture is going to be a good fit for you? For example, um, Sandy or Michelle, when looking for a new job, a place to volunteer, or a new organization such as a church. So Michelle, if you'll go first for us, what, how do you look for a good culture fit? Yeah, I think some of it comes down to um, what I mentioned a few minutes ago about walking around and observing people that works within a church or school or organization. Um, giving it, especially if you're going to a church, um, give it a few different um, weekends that you're going to walk through and 
and see how do people interact with each other because I feel like um, any one weekend there can be something going on to where there's a major football game so there's a lot of people who aren't there that weekend and it's a different vibe or, or whatever that you don't even factor into it but really um, walking around seeing how people interact and then um, when it comes to a job interview or um, just really trying to understand the culture even of a church or volunteer organization a few of the questions that I like to ask a person is what's your favorite and least favorite thing about the organization and the people that you work with and getting their favorite and least favorite it really helps to bottom line like what's the two things that really stand out on the positive and negative not just like what do you like what do you not like that ends up being kind of this long drawn out paragraph or a bunch of bullet points and I really want to know like what is the first thing that comes to mind for them mm -hmm. and then also if I gave them a magic wand what's one thing that they would change about the organization if they could and that oftentimes helps me see if their answer is um, pretty benign and the culture is probably okay and if I hear consistent answers it's probably one thing or two things um, so is that a big deal to me maybe it's a big deal to them maybe it's not a big deal to me mm -hmm. so those are a couple of things that really help me bottom line what is it that they would articulate as the good of the good and the bad of the bad mm-hmm Excellent advice. How about you, Sandy? So to determine good culture fit, it has to be good culture fit for me, which may be different than your culture fit or Michelle's mm -hmm. culture fit. And mm -hmm. so because I think it's so personally derived that we really need to start with an assessment of our own values. What is it that um, is so important to us that needs to be present in this particular organization? What are deal breakers? What are things that I would say, no, absolutely, this is not where I want to be spending my time and energy. So first, identifying your value set, what is most important to you, and then um, asking questions. And Michelle, I think your point is good, is observing, not just asking the questions, but watching the behavior to mm. really get some data on, is this a good good alignment with my values or not. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you both for your advice. Thank you to our listeners for uh, joining us for yet another episode of Lead, Travel, Pray. It's hard to believe, but we have been at this journey for almost one year and have learned a whole lot about the process and truly uh, value the feedback that you all are giving us. We don't have enough ratings yet to be very visible in our hosting platforms. So please take a minute to rate us in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're grabbing this podcast from. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Lead Travel Pray and check out our website at leadtravelpray.com. Until next time, prosper through leadership, travel, and prayer. Thank you, ladies. Have a great day. Thank you.